This is heavy, man. It's deep. I'm, I just need, I need Chris, why don't you play a little bit of that? I'll be seeing you because I'm just too emotional right now. And then we'll get you to come over to the mic and we'll uh, switch over here. This is Chris Andrew, uh, and he is joining me, Matt Day, on Keys to Life. A little podcast about life, about being a musician and all that goes with it. So have a listen to Chris playing a little bit of I'll Be Seeing You. So Chris, uh, you're at the other mic now. Glad to see you here in front of me. That's a great way to start. It was just such a night. For me, it was just so nice. I could just listen to you play it. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get a bill from you. No, no. That's... uh, That comes from your agent. I can't control what my agent um, dishes out. So I'm I'm not sure. You might get a bill. You might not. I might actually have to pay you. Well, it's that place of just not knowing. That's the beautiful thing about music. So let's let's talk about judgment for a minute. Because I know that it has at times it consumes me. Like I'm just, I'm not good enough. This isn't cool enough. There's someone out there in the audience, whatever. Where does that, where do we learn that? That is a, that is a great question. I mean, I think that probably starts, you know, in your early childhood, you know, depending on your parents, you know, as soon as you hit school, you're getting judged. You know, like they're not teaching, like everything's about, you got to do this, this is right, this is wrong. They don't really, you're constantly being evaluated. It's so, you know, a lot of that, you know, even with music, you know, taking piano, you have to take exams if you go to the Royal Conservatory or Western you went, Board. you went that route. Yeah. Conservatory route. So now you're taking exams. Um, right once a year whenever you do the exams you're going to festivals where you're being adjudicated um and if you don't do well you're judged on it right yeah or if you do more likely if you're looking at the people that get first place second place third place and then just automatically you're a loser so yeah it's just kind of bred into the the whole you know culture of of the arts, you know, art shows, same thing, you know. I wonder if it was always there. I, there's a there's a guy who plays in town. His name's Aaron Parker. He's got a very cool musician. He's always creating different musical ideas. Um, and Aaron, if you are listening, uh, you remember a conversation we once had about music, this is music festivals. And he said, why did music ever have to become competitive? Where did that start? All of a sudden you're, you're ranked on, you know, how proficient you were, how your memorization was, your technique and all of these things. And I, I, that always stuck with me. Why did it ever become competitive? Why did it have to do that? That's yeah, that's a great question. I would, I would actually like to to kind of research that and find out when. I mean, it, in all honesty, it's probably started as a money making. Right. Hey, let's put a festival. We'll charge people an entrance fee, and we'll we'll make money, and people will pay to come and see. I'm sure it was. It had to do with a financial outcome. Well, I'm, I'm okay with the financial part. You come and pay me for my services, and I've got stuff to cover, and this is my job. But where it became, this kid's better than that kid, that's tough. I mean, you, well, you go, like eight or nine years old, you go through the rest of your life, oh, I failed that Kiwanis Festival, or whatever, whatever yeah, yeah. it was. I made that one mistake. And it can hinge on one or two, one or two notes. The pressure on kids, like what was that? You must have gone on loss of 
competitions when you were young because you took that route. Yeah. He, I, was it great or was it horrible? Or was it, a, a, what was that like? I did well until um, the later grades, like grade nine. But yeah, I get extremely nervous and jittery and anxiety. Like it, in a way, I'm glad I did that because, you know, I think it prepared me for, you know, everything that I'm doing now. Yeah. I still get nervous. I still, but, you know, that anxiety that I remember from when I was a kid, um, I haven't experienced since. So I think I got used to it. So I think it was, it was a good thing. Other than, I will say, the closest thing would be coming out of uh, COVID or sorry, even before coming out of COVID, but doing online performances where no one was there and it was all virtual, that would be the closest thing because, you know, not performing for a year, year and a half, and now performing, it's almost like my body, my mind um, forgot how to deal with those, that anxiety. And then all of a sudden, why don't, like if someone called and said, hey, by the way, this gig just got canceled, it's virtual, I'd just be like this sigh of, of relief, which was right. weird because I'd been, you know, performing since I was, you know, in the festivals probably as early as 12, 13 years old. Like that's, seven, then, that's 70 years, man. That's 70 that's years. That's 70 years, yeah. you know. Um, so but it all comes back. All that anxiety came back with. Yeah, you know. not, as, not as bad as what yeah. I remember, but it, it de- definitely did. And then... Yeah, it was it was very bizarre. So, well, my path was different than than because ha- I didn't grow up playing music. My dad had a hotel; he had a piano in the hotel. My cousin would come out and she'd show me a couple of songs, and I I'll, I might play them for you later. Pretty powerful tunes, and that was it. I learned these four songs. I played them whenever she came out, and I didn't feel the pressure of having to necessarily perform that. Um, so when I got into uh, high school, I knew a couple of songs on the piano. I'd go over and play, and sometimes I'd make it silly, and people would laugh. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, they're, they're digging this. this is, so I didn't learn that part that I had to be. But I also then didn't have the, some of the training that went with, um, you know, being able to accomplish, you know, play a Bach fugue, learn it in a couple of days. Like, a lot of people can do that. So, but I don't know if, I think I'm okay with that trade-off because I haven't had that. My anxiety comes around other stuff. It comes around the not good enough. This wasn't good enough. This wasn't you know, up to Chris's par. This wasn't up to this person's par. And just being okay with, that's my, my musical fingerprint. We both have those. We both have a musical fingerprint. Mine is okay. And that, even in the last like six, probably in the last six or eight weeks, and I'm, I told you, I've seen this coach in the States. She's helped me so much get over what that's all about and why that, why that drives me. Like I said, I'm, I'm enjoying playing more now than I have, but I didn't have that start where I had to compete musically. Yeah, and that's, I uh, was going to, talk about that like you you go to these competitions you're getting adjudicated by specific adjudicators who have their idea in their mind on how something's supposed to be played yeah and they're judging it that way and then the winner is chosen and there could be someone in there that you know is extremely creative and has a completely different um, interpretation of it and now all of a sudden you've squashed that. 
Yeah. So there's got to be a way of, or they didn't, they didn't see it. I mean, they, there they, was no mechanism. I think of Roger Bannister when he broke the four minute mile in England back, was it in the sixties or something? He broke the four minute and he says, he's the fastest man in the world. And I kept thinking, no, I don't think so. I think there's some dudes in Kenya, for example, very fast, some of the fastest runners in the world that didn't have the advantage of adjudication, cameras, stopwatch, all the kind of stuff that, that England had. And I don't believe that he was the, he was okay by, the, by those standards. He was the fastest man in the world. I'm sure there'd been faster ones. They just never had the tools. They didn't have the resources or the opportunity. Now we know who's fastest, but we now can, now can see that. And I wonder if that's like that is, is in music, you know, you got you. Someone got fortunate because they were in a, in a household that could afford it. They were in a community that could afford it. But then all of a sudden, you hear these. I work at a hospital doing music, and sometimes these kids kids come in, fifteen years old, never played. They sit down at a piano, and you get goosebumps. Like, where did this come from? Like, you, you've got this music thing in you. They haven't had a chance. It's like, had they had a chance? Like, we we had great. I had a piano in my hotel. You had less, and we had we were fortunate to have that advantage, right? So. I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's just the, I, I guess the adjudication of that is depending on what your environment is, you know. Hundred percent. And I always try, like as a as a teacher, because I deal with with that where students, like in, in the classroom, like students wouldn't want to play in front of each other in the master class. They're like, oh man, this person sitting next to me is so good. Yeah. I don't want to be judged. And I'm like, look, everyone has their own path. Honor that. Yeah. Look at it as inspiration. Like, yeah, this person plays great. Um, they might have had a whole lot of training that you didn't have, but that doesn't mean anything uh, in regards to where you can go, you know, and they could play something super simple and be... Um, actually more musical than the person that had right. the training. So I'm like, everyone's got their voice, you know, why we're here or why I'm teaching and why I love it is I want to somehow figure out a way to get you to your place. Now, here's some tools that I think you should do take note of, but at the end of the day, you know, I want, I don't want to crush that out of you. I, I like, how, you I like be, how you said to get you to your place. Yeah, right? I think that's that's, that's a, so that's important. A beautiful perspective on it. You know, it's who am I to? I mean, I'll, I'll like I said, I'll, I think this is important. I think this will help you. I think you know, regardless if you're going to go into pop, I think this is going to help you. Right. Um, but I mean, I, I'm not going to judge. You know, because, you know, I love this style of music and you're into um, death metal. Like, who am I to, to judge that dream? And I got, I got my ass kicked. There was a student years ago where um, I think it was both of us. Like, I could tell he wasn't into digging my vibe or whatever and what I had to teach. And I was kind of not digging his vibe because I'm like, he's not respecting me and I couldn't get through. And then finally, at some point I'm like, well, what kind of music are you into, man? And it was like, I don't even know if you call it death metal, but it's like really aggressive. Like what you played about my coffee, that kind of sound. <laughs> that kind of sound. Yeah. Um, 
And so he brought up, he's like, yeah, I'm into this band. And he brought up this Swedish band, Meshuggah. And I'm like, okay, man. What's it, what, that's the band name? Meshuggah. Meshuggah. Yeah. yeah. Like super heavy. So I'm like, okay. Like heavy. Like. Okay. Yeah. Just, I, I can't listen to it. Like not, not this kind of heavy, not this. That's kind of too groovy, right? Yeah, this is like, that'd, that'd be like angry, not even, like not even okay. Yeah, super angry. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna check it out. I researched them, and they're all jazz players. They went to school. Oh, okay. You know, they're they're schooled. The music is like odd meter. Like it's when you listen to it, these guys are ridiculous players, like absurd. Like they are masters of their instruments. I can't, I still can't listen to what they do because it sounds like, you know, you're in hell and the devil's screaming at you. And I hate that. No, but yeah. <laughs> I learned a lesson. Like I'm, I'm listening to it and, and I went back, I went back to him and I'm like, hey, check this out. And you know what? It's absolutely not my thing, but I appreciate, like I, I actually researched the band too and found out what they were into. And, and, you know, a lot of it is like if I took the screaming out, the devil screaming, the devil part, screaming yeah. part, I mean, there's like, you can tell the musician, musicianship is, they're like top notch players. And that, that just happened to be their outlet for it. Well, it's like, and it's because like, I did that, He's like, I can't believe you actually checked that out. Sweet. And right. I was, yeah. and the, all of a sudden there was this, the, the dialogue between us completely changed. And he appreciated the fact, I mean, I didn't say I hated it and I don't hate it. It's not my thing. I could sit there and I can appreciate instead of what I would have done, which, you know, as soon as it clicked in, I'm like, man, this is noise. This is garbage and just shut off. I was trying to reach out to the students, so I took a little extra time. I'm like, holy crap, man, like there's odd meter going on here. Like listening to the drum, like the way that the, the instruments are locking in, I'm like, man, these guys are heavy. It's not my thing, but these guys are heavy. But and what a cool thing for you to do for him that would make that connection. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. They say listening is the best way to say I love you to somebody. I mean, I, I don't mean to say I love you, but you, you, you get it, right? You felt heard. He, he felt heard and there must have been, yeah. So that Yeah, went. and then from then, like all of a sudden that the dialogue changed and the vibe and the lessons changed. It's like, yeah. you know, and then me going, okay, well, 100%, like, I think you should check this out. And he was more receptive to going, okay, man. Like so you this, let him hear some death jazz. Or death jet, jazz, death yeah. Blues. yeah. I played him all, all my recordings, <laughs> the, the underground sessions, Twilliger underground sessions. Powerful man, yeah. That's some deep. That's dark stuff, man. Yeah, I can hear the devil screaming when I listen to that those the, sessions. The Twilliger sessions, yeah. Why is oh, there yeah. no death classical? There's just death metal. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, if you, some people would say yeah. that about, Cole, no. you know, some of the Coleman and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, but you you would. Yeah, I mean, if you look at. Uh, if you look at some of the death metal or the the um 
like dream theater. I was going to say dream theater. Yeah. Uh, like it's heavy, but ridiculous. it's ridiculous. The lines are ridiculous. They're very, yeah. uh, I forget the keyboard player in that. He's I, killer. I Jeremy Rhodes, Rudd, it's something like Rhodes, that. Jeremy Rhodes, Jer- Rhodes. I'll look it up. Uh, but you killer, you know, like very classical influence as well, you know? And then I remember checking out some stuff in Europe and, um, Jordan Ruddis. Ruddis or Rudis? Yeah, Rudis. Rudis? Yeah, he's There's a whole thing on YouTube on that guy. He's killer. He is very, he's killer. And there was a, there was a student. I, I did these YouTube videos years ago and there was a student from India that was watching my lessons on, online. And I lost track of him. And about two years ago, he reaches out to me and he says, hey, I just want you to know that I really enjoyed those lessons and I'm now a music producer. I'm like, cool. So we talked for a little while and he sent me this really cool app that Jordan had actually produced. Uh, where you it's some so you can just shred like and, and nothing it's not linear at all it's just a grid and maybe we'll bring it out later and, and try a little bit of that but anyway so he's producing this really really cool stuff so other people can access um, music that way too yeah so, little little side there but we might get into that yeah so I I guess my whole point with that is there is I mean a lot of those bands you listen to it it's they're they're especially that band you know there's definitely a classical influence. Well, and didn't Vinny didn't Vinny play in uh, did sessions with Metallica or something like that or years ago? Vinny Vinny Kaliuta? he might have Chikoria guy uh, Chikoria drummer. Yeah, I think he, he did. It's amazing some of the crossover stuff. But anyway, coming back to that, I just think that openness that you showed to that. Oh, sorry. In regards, so there's another example: Metallica, heavy metal, yeah, killer band, yeah. not my thing. The bass player produced the documentary on Jocko. Nice. Huge Jocko fan. So here's a band that you would not associate with one of the you know greatest, not only the greatest electric, most influential bass players of all time. Um, this guy was completely into him and was a big influence. To the point where he's like, I'm producing a documentary. That's very cool. So you'd be surprised where a lot of these bands yeah. um, get their influences from. Well, and it just allows us to be a little bit more diverse and inclusive, right? We get yeah. to we get to draw someone into a, a conversation that they may, they may not have thought that they could because of their voice, because of their musical fingerprint was such. But yeah, I think that's amazing that you would, that you would uh, reach out and, and do that. Remember Gordon Nicholson? He used to say, "Just sit." He was a teacher at our at, at McEwen when we were there back in the day, eighty years ago. And he'd say, "Just go to the piano and, and drop your hands and see what you get." And that was kind of a cool exercise he'd do. And I think that was maybe to help us stop judging and just go, "Oh yeah, that's cool. That that worked." Well, yeah, getting listening to what you're doing, regardless yeah. of, I think a lot of times. And maybe it's maybe it's on the on the education side early is you you don't get people students to actually listen to what they're doing to that extent, mm-hmm. um, and it's so important you know the mistakes and all like listen to the difference between this and this and this and this and developing that those listening skills because that's. That's what it is. And I like that. Like Gord just saying, putting the hand down or just try stuff, you know. Yeah, it was mistakes. like two notes in each hand. Just kind of drop them, let see, what, yeah. see where they land. 
and you get you get stuff out of that. Yeah, and that's maybe where those composers like. Well, I was playing. I was talking about John Williams, listening to him, and some of the some of the chords he used are pretty jazzy. Like they they've got something to it, but they're not. But he's not afraid. He was just there was not a he wasn't afraid to try something that was like if you take it apart, some of it's pretty out there, but it all works in context. Yeah. But that's how you get those great comp- those compositions. And my nephew right now is a young kid. I think he's twenty years old, and he comes up with these really cool. Like he hasn't had a lot of training. He comes up with these really, really cool ideas for movie themes, and it's like, wow, how did you, where did you, how did you think of that? Then he layers some stuff, and he takes his guitar and plays some stuff over it, and that's because he doesn't have any rules around him saying this was right and this was wrong. He just lets it go, and I'm, I'm really curious about how to how to get there. How do you get to that place well, where I you th- don't? That's interesting because I think um, my son does did the same thing, the same path, and. He's a DJ. Doesn't, didn't he do some DJing and stuff? And yeah, and he wrote his own electronic music, and then he went to Vancouver Film School, and then got into the heavily got into the composition side, and so now he does um, film scores. Yeah, your son is Hans Zimmer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very cool. So <laughs> and, is he? And, and he, so he's yeah. scoring. What's your son's name? Just so can, Jordan. And can they go here? Can someone go hear his music on online? Yeah, Jordan Han Andrew. Um, yeah, you, you'll find it. Cool. Find it there. And that was that was a lesson for me as well, exactly the way you were talking about. Um, you know, they do learn the rules, but they are learning it in an organic way through listening. Right. And that's all he did. Like, he would listen to something, like he had to do a film score, like a film noir soundtrack for this film. What did he do? And he can pl- he can play, but he's working on that now. Like when he was growing up, I couldn't get him to play piano or anything. He's just like, no, I don't want to live like you, Dad. Which crushed me. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. I don't want to live like it's a, that's a country song. I don't want to live like you, Dad. Yeah, I don't want to live is, like Matt. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, it's so we should do it. Yeah. So he, but he, but he learned to listen. And so when he was doing the film noir score, like he'd listen to a lot of film noir and then he, he would just make mistakes, fool around, write mm-hmm. something that's wrong, that's wrong. And so with, with your nephew, it's the same thing. Like I think we forget about it because we learn about, learn it more academically and so it becomes like a instead of an auditorial learning pattern, we're learning it through theory and we're learning it through that route where they'll go straight to the source and they'll they'll listen to the vibe, listen to it, listen to it, listen to it, listen to it, mm-hmm. listen to it, and now try to replicate it's not there, it's not there, and they'll keep doing it. You know, like much like if you go back to you know, kindergarten, sorry, that was me hitting the cable. It's okay. Kindergarten where, you know. Forgive you, man. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. Um, we just need a moment. Someone's here. driving, a, a driving, a drawing a giraffe, and it looks like one line. Right. And then, but they, that's what they, you know, they're pull, trying to pull out exactly what they think. There's no judgment, and then they draw something, and it all of a sudden it starts. Years later, they can draw. It's the same thing, you know, like just being okay with making those mistakes, 
trying different things, but it's that listening and replicating, you know. So that's, that's I think, a, a crucial um, learning pattern that's not really... I guess Suzuki, there's some other earlier programs that deal with a lot of ear playing by ear. But that's, I mean, that's what you want to do. Well, and David, you're right. David Suzuki has an incredible influence just environmentally. And then his music program was, a lot of people don't know how good it was. Yeah. And the motorcycles that guy made, I mean, unbelievable. A guy, yeah. Like, how does a guy be, like, from the get-go, be a pioneer in the environmental and motorcycle industry and motorcycle. Yeah. How does he do that? That is history. <clears throat> yeah. And then create this this worldwide music program. Yeah, like the guy is underappreciated. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I, you know, he should get the Order of Canada. That guy, just for what he's done. Actually, he probably does have it. Um, that was a distraction. And where do we go? So Suzuki. Suzuki was all about that method, though, wasn't it? Yeah. You're yeah. playing. I think there's some other ones I can't think of right now but yamaha honda kawasaki yeah all those harley harley davidson's and i think if you went through the whole program at the end of it 10 years 15 years later you're gifted one of their low-end motorcycles (laughs) should we stop music and just do comedy because this is some of the funniest stuff i've ever heard in my life ever heard it's it's the best awesome man so i think maybe today i'm done with music and we just do jokes we just Hey, if I, yeah, if I could just make no money doing what we're just doing now, my soul, what it's giving my soul is, uh, is all I need. But you've got ability to coffee shame though too. So don't, don't ever. Coffee shaming. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I apologize for that. So that is an interesting segue. So comedy, uh, when you talk about a standup comedian goes up on stage, they've got a lot of stress. There's got to be stressful because you don't, you and I have a, instrument we can kind of fill it in we can kind of you know but once you're committed to those jokes i mean it's like you know you're playing it's like a piano player having one note or something you got to make it work i have so much admiration for that but they remember interviewing there was an interview with george carlin years ago and the interviewer said that she appreciated how improvisational he was and goes up on the stage and just does all this stuff and it's so natural and he stopped her and said that's nine months what you're seeing is nine months of preparation Every nuance, every, I don't know if I've said that in the podcast before, but every nuance, every facial expression. So talk to me a little bit about preparation from, I mean, we work, we have to work as hard as a stand-up comedian to prepare for. So people listening, we can maybe wrap up with this, but we've talked a lot about the judgment that goes with it. We talked a little bit about um, the comparison, maybe when you're performing, how, how we feel. So what do we do to kind of mitigate the chances of, should I, should I, I don't like the word failure, but to... to give ourselves a really a leg up in our preparation. What would you do? What would you cycle through? You got a gig coming up in two weeks. What's your path? Um, Mike, start with my coffee and then, and then what you'd have some of my coffee and then what would you do? Yeah. Like you start with a negative first, try to get that out. So drinking black tar, um, showcases the actual worst part of, your existence or you know the worst part get it out of the way get it out of the way no um three or four things where's your headspace two weeks my headspace would be you know it's repetition so you get inside what i'm trying to do um is 
learn about learn the tune. Obviously, I'm trying to absorb the tune as much as I possibly can through, you know, listening to the bass movement, listening to the chord structure, listening to the melody. Even if I'm not playing those things, I'm trying to internalize the the tune that I'm going to play. So repetition, but do you always do that at the piano or do you sometimes just sit and visualize? Well, it's yeah, I'll listen to it. So for example, if I'm doing a, um, let's say I'm doing not an original gig. I don't know. Let's say I am doing an original gig. Someone calls me and they've got a CD release. Driving in the car, I'm listening to it um, all the time, you know. I'm checking it out as much as I can. So then when I sit down and I'm playing it, I've got the I've got the the tune in my head. So now uh, to memorize it, it's going to be a lot easier to internalize it, it's going to be a lot easier. Even if I don't memorize it um or I've memorized certain places of it, it's still I've got a clearer path of how that tune goes from start to finish other than just reading it. And at what point will you write some, like, do you memorize most of your stuff for a show? No. I mean, I, you, like I get it. If you're going on tour, you're gone for a couple of months. Yeah. You, yeah. you get that. You, and there's, there are times where, yeah. I mean, back earlier, yeah, at school, I, I tried to do that as much as possible. Now, um, I still like with that solo piano gig that you brought me in, in to do that's, I forced myself to do that, you know, at the expense of, you know, making errors, you know, forgetting, but I tried to do that as much as possible. Well, I mean, you and you sat down and played a Harry Connick tune one time. It was a sunny side of the street, nice real stride thing. Really. That's a great tune. If you're learning some stride and that's a great feel in that tune. And I remember watching you and you didn't have any music in front of you. You just played this thing. And years later I thought, oh, I wonder if I could try that. So I learned the 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 first the first section through. I didn't get into the solo. But I love that. And and after I learned it by ear, I, I can play it. You can play it forever. Yeah. You can keep going. So but if you're moving, yeah, if you're if you like Paul Brandt, you wouldn't have had charts. You would know no. all those tunes. No, and with that, like I had to show up to rehearse. Basically, we I showed up to we rehearsed in Nashville for five days before we went out. And um, it was basically like dress rehearsals for five days. We ran, showed up, set up, ran the whole show, took a lunch break, ran the whole show every day. And that's a jump for you because you went, I'm, I'm sidetracking here, but this is preparation. How did you prepare for, you're kind of in the jazz world, Chris, and then all of a sudden now you're going to a country pop, country, mostly country pop kind of vibe. Was that a switch? Yeah, it was a big switch. And that was, um, yeah, I listened to all of his records. I I mean, especially the record we were touring. I'd like the same thing. I learned it all by ear and had it going all the time, like just internalized. Because I was also, you know, I'm dealing, none of the band was from Canada. They're all like Nashville or state based, they're all heavy players. I'm going in there like not, and they're all country players. Holy, you're in your twenties. I mean, you wasn't. No, no. This was like I was in my thirties. This 30s, was two thousand and because okay. I saw the album cover seven. with you on the hay bales. I, it's a pretty hot looking cover. You guys are looking pretty sharp. Two thousand, two thousand seven. Yeah. Was it okay? I thought you were younger yeah. than that. So, so 
I mean, it, it's exactly the same thing. You know, listen to it, absorb it. Yeah. Uh, res- in in respecting it, you know, like as, you know, I think I was a little not ignorant, but hey, this is just triads. It's just you know, there's nothing really complex, and that's not what I learned out of it. I got my my ass kicked. Yeah. You know, and the band was great. The players were so good. They were a great vibe. They were educating me. And I hear Paul's really great to work with too. He's yeah, like he was, yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah, honestly, good coffee. Like just, Does he make good coffee? He makes amazing coffee. Yeah, but yeah, great. So that's that same principle that I would approach learning, you know, like a uh, like for a CD release for a jazz album. It's the same process. Like I'm trying to absorb the music as best as I can. Yeah. And then if I'm memorizing it, or even if I'm not memorizing it, um, it's repetition. I'm going through and I'm I'm playing what I need to play and and trying to to listen to the path. So is repetition the thing that I find if I get there's a certain passage or I've got to do a solo or there's a unison line with the whole band, and that's where my anxiety starts to rise up because now I can't hide anymore. And I used to sometimes I pull the volume down on my keyboard because I didn't want to be exposed. I just wasn't very vulnerable. I was just so worried about that. What do you do about those passages in those tunes? It's like, oh man, there's a there's a there's a little time change, the meter, whatever. Something happens. How do you get those? It's like and they climb Mount Everest, and there's that section called the Hillary Step. It's like yeah. 45 feet of the toughest of the tough. So they prepare for that. How do you prepare for the Hillary Step in music? So you've well, you I, I mean you isolate it. So if you're the tendency we all do is. When you practice it, you'll go through the whole tune, or you'll practice up until the hard parts, and then you'll you'll give because the hard part is emotionally and right. mentally draining. You'll spend less time on it. So I would go to that spot right away. I'd practice it. I would then back it up a little bit. So for for example, maybe I back it up two bars, and I play from that point through the hard part and then just after to a metronome I make sure that I've got the tempo that it's going to be played at and I just I'll re- I'll play that a number of times and then I'll play it from the start to get that yeah. whole flow of so it could literally I could start right on that moment and play it I could start just before and play it I can start at the beginning and play it you're basically and I kind of learned that from classical where, you know, there was, it was a fest, a festival where I completely bombed and I had memorized something, but I memorized it mu- muscle memory. And all of a sudden, you know, I completely blanked and I'd always have to go back to the beginning. Yeah. You know, and so I didn't really know the piece. Really. I should have been, if I knew it, I could have, you know, someone could have sang the melody start here and I should have been able to p- start it right there and played it. So it's that same that's principle. That's really knowing it inside and out, isn't it? Yeah. So, and that's, that's why going to those difficult passages in, in what you're talking about here is a unison line, you know, backing it up a little bit, repeat, you know, start slow. So you, you're internalizing it. Um, you can hear it. Um, and then you move through it and then, yeah starting from the beginning and then hearing the whole flow of it. 
Well, that I just want to speak to this from a music cognition uh, point of view, and you keep hitting the cable. And that's I know, okay. like, a, yeah. you know what, Chris, attention getter. That's cable, all. That's cable all. abuse. I'm a yeah. So we learned, and there was a great course. If you have a chance to take, it's a three month course. I took it online through Berkeley. They've got a great online, got great online courses, and this was a music cognition course. So how the brain process music, how we understand it, and we t- they talked about how neurons can fire thousands of times a second. So whenever you're creating a new neural pathway you might as well get it right and and the idea of, of slow starting slow so that the brain starts to go oh this is how it's supposed to be played i remember i think don burner talking about this in school like start slow with the metronome and just bring it up one notch at a time one notch at a time and i think for me and maybe other listeners who are you know whether you're doing it for a living or whatever try and get that rip through that passage and i don't think you're doing yourselves any favors cognitively to develop the right pathway. So is that is that true? Would you agree? Like start 100%. really, really yep. entrench it slowly. Yeah, 100%. Because then you're, you're, you're learning, learning to hear it as well. Yeah. Which is crucial. And then you're also attaching the motor memory with it as well. Right. So, I mean, I know when the, the things that I've learned slow... And retained way better. They stay. I've got yeah. way better execution on it. But yeah. that's one of the hardest things for me is playing things slow. Like my mind wanders. But I know when that I when I do it and I'm active on it, it makes such a difference. Because then I can really, if I'm playing a fast pass, passage and I know it's a fast passage, I'm going to be tense right away. For sure. So then the execution of that is automatically going to be behind unless I completely luck out. But if I slow it down, now I'm aware of where the tension's coming in. I can, I'm aware of how I'm going to make each one of those notes sound, and then I can gradually build it up. So then when I play it faster, it's just the brain can hear it. They can hear each individual note. They know where it is. It's yeah. If you can get into that habit at a young young age or at any 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 age, it's going to make a massive difference. Even our age. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole thing. That's a whole other podcast talking about uh, neural development um, as it pertains to music or languages. And can you do that later in life? Yeah, absolutely. It is different. We we do learn at different um, different rates. But that would take a whole other um, podcast to do that. But maybe the idea of groove is that. That's why some players just feel because they've literally grooved that in their brain. They've grooved a pathway. The neurons are not fighting with, oh, yeah, when I learned how to do this, it was, yeah, I made all these mistakes. So start slow. So yeah. that's repetition, start slow. You're exposing yourself to the music all the time when you're driving. I like that because you're not, you've talked about that before. Visu- you're visualizing music even when you're not at the piano. That must be a huge process too. Yeah. And, and again, we forget about it because, yeah. and, Maybe even a, a lot more now with the availability of media and like everything is available. But right. you know, you know, when we were coming up, it was CDs and tapes, and even in Edmonton, trying to you know trying to find recordings, um, it was an import thing. Right. So you might not be able to get certain CDs. Now it's just you can get anything, anytime, anywhere, and there's almost like. A, I remember this would have been a number of years ago. I got a like a record player again and started listening to vinyl, and it really forced me to 
evaluate my listening again because you had to flip the side. Yeah, you can't loop it. You can't, you can't loop that little section. So it was like, it was focused listening again yeah. for me instead of just, I have access to everything on my phone at any time to listen to stuff. And it's almost like I started taking it for granted, if that makes sense. Yeah, for so, sure. Um, it was a really. I think you listened. I think we listened better because you know I've got this section. I can't keep rewinding this tape. It's going to wear it out. It's just well, and the that's... brain knows that. It's like the old it, it, typing. And people who type back in the 1960s, you don't have spell check. I think they're better typers. You can't afford to. You just had to know how to execute a long line of phrase and type without. Would be. It's become easier, right? It's become yeah. easier to to do that. Uh, you know, Chris. I think we're gonna. I want. I want to do one thing before I wrap up, and this is putting you on the spot here, but. Um, and thanks again for this great information. If you are preparing for something, uh, just starting there, just some uh, repetition, playing it slow, working through those passages as Chris talking about, exposing yourself to music, that particular um, stuff you're prepping for. So great ideas, uh, but I'm going to put you on the spot. I'd like you to go back to the piano and the chopsticks you heard. I know you, I noticed you're pretty emotional about that, but could you start, could you play it as a ballad and sort of develop it into a jazz, just a beautiful little jazz piece to close it off with? So starting with chopsticks, but just kind of exploring that a bit and giving us a, a two or three minute taste. This of, is payback for the coffee, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yep. Wow. Unbelievable, man. I know. So it's an F and a G. Just push those two together. They're, they're the two white ones. <laughs> All right. So this wow. is this is Chris on the spot. He's going to go back to the piano and uh, take you chopsticks. Want me to take I want chopsticks turned into a beautiful jazz ballad. Here he goes. tearing up so keep going man it's beautiful well folks we are so glad that you uh, were able to spend some time with us today and this is chris uh, working out some chopsticks in a beautiful jazz setting we're gonna let you uh hear him this is all live we're just doing this off the floor so uh we'll see you next time if you have uh, any questions or thoughts uh you can send me a note to mattday1 at gmail.com something you might like to hear we'll leave you with chris thanks for listening <laughs>